0: Um, Our scripture this morning uh, is in 2 Timothy, just a few verses this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Paul writes, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me the crown of righteousness which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. What a wonderful word from our God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is a All Saints Sunday, and, uh, and Paul mentions in this text those who eagerly look forward forward to the return of Christ, which brings in the beginning of this new kingdom that he's got planned, right? There's this new heaven, this new earth, this new kingdom where we all will be together again forever and ever and ever in this wonderful kingdom. And he's talking about those uh, that there's this prize that for those that look forward to the coming of this kingdom. and, And in some fashion, I think we all look forward to that, right? We look forward to the day of No more tears, no more suffering and sorrow. Um, But part of that is we look forward, of course, to to seeing Jesus, seeing God's face. What does God actually look like? And maybe seeing the scars that he took for us. Um, There's that other part, though, that we recognize today. The the part of looking forward to this eternal kingdom is being reunited with those that have gone on before us, right? Right? And we look forward to some of us, you know, when we talk about, oh, when we get to heaven, you know, I can't wait to see my grandparents again or parents again. Maybe some of you have lost children. Can't wait to see them again and be with them in the glory. But All Saints Day is is not just a time when we remember our loved ones and, and family that have passed on before us. It's a time that we remember those who have helped to raise us in our faith those that have helped to encourage us and build us up and to be witnesses to us, to help us grow stronger in our faith so that we would be here this morning coming to worship God. That's part of, uh, it's interesting, This our baptismal vows that we have that we make when we come and we make this commitment. We make a promise, we make a commitment to live our lives for God Accepting God's gifts of grace into our lives and just we're going to live our lives fully for God, there's these vows that, that we take, vows that we make that I'm making this vow to God today. But there's this cool part where the church makes vows also. There's a part where the, the pastor says to the church, "Will you support and nurture this person in their faith?" And the church says, "By God's grace, we will." Yes when you come and make that promise, make that commitment, then all of the church says, we're going to support this person. We're going to be there for them. We're going to be witnesses to them, be examples for them on what it means to live a life of faith so that they will remain faithful. So we, have, we all have these people that have helped raise us in our faith, and now some have gone on before us. They've, they've finished the race, as Paul says. Whenever I think of... Uh, the saints in my life, the ones that have helped me. I'm always kind of taken back to whenever I was like seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, I went to this little country church outside of Bethany, Missouri. Um, If you know where Bethany and Ridgeway are, it's halfway between Bethany and Ridgeway on this ground. You've got five miles of gravel no matter which direction you're going to get there. And so that's the church I grew up going to. And I remember there was these three or four pews of the old folks. They sat in these three or four pews. They all sat there. That's where their Sunday school class met before church. And when it came time for church, they just stayed right there. They were already in their pews. And so three or four pews of the old folks. And I, I mean, I can still picture them today. You know, the, the ladies had their hair all done up. It was probably in rollers all night long before, you know. And, or maybe they went and saw Sue at the beauty shop and got their hair done, you know, got the perm with the big space helmet that you had to wear when you got the perms. If you remember those in the beauty shops. But the ladies were sitting there, and they all had their their Sunday dresses on, had their hair all done up nice. The men were all farmers. I was thinking about this the other day. I think every man man in the church was a farmer. And so their Sunday best was their best bib overalls that they had, the one without the rip pocket and without the holes. That was their Sunday best with a nice shirt and their big rugged hands holding the hymnal. My kids, a hymnal is a book with songs in it. Back in the day, we didn't have screens. We had hymnals. There's probably one under your, pew, under your chair. You'll have to check that out. It's pretty cool, actually. A lot of good stuff in there. Um, but I remember these folks. I can picture them sitting there in the pew. But the cool thing is, I remember, I can still hear them singing. I remember it. And I can just, it's, it's in there. I can hear them right now singing out those hymns of praise, those hymns of glory, just singing and worshiping God as loud as they could. They all sang so loud, it was like they actually believed what they were singing. It's kind of cool. Um, Not all of them had golden voices. There was one gentleman named Garland Simpson. I loved Garland so much. I didn't know him real well, but I loved him because... I was telling somebody this the other day. I don't remember who I was talking to. Garland had a voice. If you can imagine Willie Nelson, but even more nasally than Willie Nelson, that's Garland Simpson's singing voice. And he sang out so loud. In fact, for a short time, he was our song leader at the church even. He didn't care what his voice sounded like. God gave him his voice. He's going to use that voice to praise God because Jesus has touched his life. God has moved in his life and he's got this life of faith and he wanted the whole world to know the light of the world is Jesus. And that's how he sang, almost exactly like that. So imagine that's your song leader on a Sunday morning. Now imagine you're about eight or nine years old with an ornery sense of humor and you're in the pew trying to sound like Garland Simpson, and your mom's smacking you, you've stopped that right now, right? And there's my childhood going to church, pretty much. (laughs) Might explain a lot for you this morning. Um, But I remember that, you know, and he sang out so loud, he didn't care what his voice sounded like. God gave him his voice. He's going to use that voice to worship God. And that spoke a lot to me because I don't have a voice. I'm not going on America's Got Talent anytime soon. But I'm going to sing out because it's the voice God gave me. And God wants to hear me sing, right? What a witness that was to me. My life may not be blessed like someone else's life is blessed. I may not have the gifts and talents other people have, but I have what God gave me, and I'm going to use that to worship God with all that I am. That spoke to me in so many different ways, and I love Garland for that, and I cherish that. Um, And maybe now I kind of look back the way he was our song leader and he sang so loud. Maybe I realize now why the church sang so loud. They were trying to come up and balance out Garland's voice a little bit. But when I think back, I can just hear those songs kind of echoing through the years. It was just cool. I read this article this week. Um, This article says, That on All Saints Day, we recognize we are part of a giant choir singing the same song. It is the song Jesus taught his disciples, a tune that has resonated for more than 2,000 years, a melody sung in glory and on the earth. Our great privilege is to add our voices to this chorus. Isn't that beautiful? To think about our faith as a song. That is being sung through the generations. Still with the saints in glory and with us here today. And somehow through the years it resonated to a little country church outside of Bethany. And now still echoes through my life to those around me. I hope, right? I hope that somehow what they have, the faith they raised me in, is now evident to those around me and having an effect on them that that my expressions of faith maybe are are helping them through their times in their lives, leaving a lasting impression on how they can grow stronger in their faith, maybe encouragement or strength, maybe uh, bringing joy and peace, or maybe challenging them to live more fully for God themselves. I hope somehow that this faith they raised me in is still evident in my life today to all of those around me. I think that's what Paul's really kind of trying to tell us, really in all of his writings. There's this theme through all of Paul's writings where he calls us to live a genuine life of faith. Paul certainly did. Later, right? When he became Paul, he certainly lived this genuine life of faith. It's documented through the the New Testament and Acts and and, uh, his writings. One thing we learned through them is apparently Paul liked to sing hymns. There's a couple times in his letters where uh, Paul quotes something that's not Scripture. It's not Old Testament Scripture, and we're not real sure what it is, but most scholars believe it's probably a Christian hymn that they sang during the time of Paul. And so he's quoting some of their Christian hymns in his letters to the churches. There's a story in Acts chapter 16 that tells us that uh, Paul and Silas were in jail. Their feet were in chains. 1625 says, around midnight, Paul and Silas... We're praying and singing hymns to God. I don't know what you do around midnight. I'm usually not singing hymns if I'm up at all at midnight. There was a time I used to be up at midnight regularly, and it wasn't hymns I was singing, but, you know, these days. Paul was up at midnight praying and singing hymns to God, but here's the best part of the verse, and the other prisoners were listening. That's pretty cool. The other prisoners were hearing them. There, there's these two guys, they're in chains. They don't know what's waiting for them, what punishment, what, what judgment is going to be placed upon them. They have no idea, but there they are in chains, in prison, singing praises to God. And the other prisoners are seeing this, and they're thinking, either these two are completely out of their minds, or they actually believe this Jesus stuff. One of those two is going on here. I don't know how you picture the Apostle Paul, or if you've ever even thought about What's, What does Paul look like? I, I do this sometimes. What did this person look like? What's that person? It helps me kind of imagine the stories of the Bible. And so I picture Paul as this, you know, this older gentleman, kind of hunched over, kind of hobbles as he walks. Because if you remember about Paul, he was left for dead one time. He had rocks thrown at his head he was shipwrecked one time. I mean, he had a pretty rough go of things. So I, I picture this man that's been kind of beat up and, and having a rough time just getting around in his writings. Uh, it kind of seems like maybe he's losing his eyesight with some of the things he says. So here's this guy he can't hardly see, hobbling around, but he's still got a smile on his face, still singing hymns, still singing God's praises. You know, when I think of the saints of the church, I I hope I'm like Garland Simpson, that no matter what I have been given in this life, that I turn it all back around and say, God, I'm going to use it to praise you and worship you. I hope I'm like Sue Bias, my Sunday school teacher when I was little. When my wife and I came back to church, I was around 30, 31, something like that, when we came back to church, and Sue was still there, but she was battling cancer at this time. And the whole time she battled cancer, she was more of an encouragement to us than we ever were to her. I hope I'm like Sue Bias. I hope I'm like the Apostle Paul, you know, who says, my life has been poured out as an offering to God. All that I am, God, it's yours. All that I have is yours. Let me use it to glorify you. Let me use it in a way that speaks to other people and draws them closer to you. Every bit of who I am, God, let me make it about you. I hope I'm like that. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could say, verse 7, at the end of our lives, if we could say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Wouldn't that be great if we could say that at the end of our lives? On Wednesday night uh, at our youth Bible study, um, we've been going through Ephesians, and I'm hope I'm helping them kind of learn how to read the Bible a little bit, you know, make note of this, underline that, circle that word, because they might mean something, right? And one of the things we pointed out is, when you hear a phrase repeated several times in a verse or in a group of, of verses, you should probably take note, if there's a word or phrase repeated, the other night we were reading Ephesians uh, 4, where it says, uh, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's that word one. Why does it keep repeating that over and over? Maybe maybe we should look into that a little bit. So there's some homework for you. Go read Ephesians 4, underline the word one, and then why does that repeat that over and over? And then report back. Let me know what you found out too, okay? That's homework. We won't talk about that right now. But Paul, he, he repeats this phrase, I have, right? He says, I have fought, I have finished, I have remained faithful, and there is the life of a saint, right there. That, there's the key. There's the secret to it all. I have fought the fight daily. The daily struggle, the battle, the conflict that I face every single day can either make me angry or bitter or uncaring. Can, uh, either I can allow the frustrations and the conflict I'm facing, let those define who I am. Or I can fight the good fight, keeping hope, standing in trust of Jesus Christ. I can do one or the other, right? I can let that define me or I can let Jesus define me. And Paul says, like he says in Philippians, the good fight, we rejoice always, right? In Philippians, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, doggone it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all people. Remember that Christ is coming soon. Now that's the Kobe Pulse redneck translation. That's not in print yet. But he says that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, darn it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Because no matter what you're facing, Christ is coming soon. No matter what's going on, God has given you all you need. His grace is enough to face whatever you're facing right now to get you through this moment. Just have faith and trust in Him. Remain faithful through it all. In all of His letters, this is a theme that just echoes to us again and again and again, and it's echoed down through the years, through these songs that we sing and the saints that have come before us and raised us up so that now we can go be the saints, raising up more saints, right? Paul's witness to us is don't let your circumstances define who you are. Let Christ define who you are in your circumstances because the life of a saint is a life of hope. It's a life of trust in Christ. In Romans, Paul says, Paul beseeches us, which is fancy talk for he urges us, to live so faithful that our lives are an act of worship to God because... It is in the frustrations where our witness is seen and heard. It's in the conflict. It's in the fight. That's where our Christian witness is seen. That's where it's heard. It's in the chains that hold our earthly bodies, whether it's addiction, whether it's depression, whether it's whatever that's trying to just take away the joy and peace that we have in Christ. Whatever it is, it tries to make us focus on This life and what I don't have, whatever it is that tries to hold me back, our voices can't be held back. There's no chain to hold back our voice. Paul says that it is in our less than perfect voices, it's in our sicknesses, it's in our pains and our sorrows, where our faith, that's where our faith is seen and heard by the people around us. And the people who see us singing God's praises, saying God's praises, still going to church when we don't feel like it, still coming and being a witness when everything else seems to be going wrong, still saying God is good, people either look at that and say they are either completely out of their minds or they actually believe this Jesus stuff. Either way, I kind of want whatever they got. And there's the life of a saint. Fight, finish strong, Remain faithful through it all. Because it's in the fight that our faith becomes genuine faith. It becomes something to be seen. So fight the good fight, keep hope, keep faith in Jesus Christ. Finish strong, remain faithful, because one day your race is going to end. And shortly after, there will be a church with a service like this, And there just may be someone who will come and say, I'm here today to light a candle in your name because of your witness and your faith has helped raise me in mine. Who will that be? Who's going to light a candle remembering you on All Saints Sunday? Saying the way you lived your life, the time you took to visit with them, to just be with them in their grieving and their sorrow, who's going to come and say, I remember the faith you had because it strengthened the faith I have, I encourage you to go be that Christian in this community and in the world around you. In Christ's name, amen.